Madison's Alternative, 106.7 The Resistance. This week on the Disruptor Series, I'm joined by Will Carpenter of Ships Have Sailed. Hello, Will. Hey, Miranda. Nice to be with you. Yeah, nice to talk to you again. (laughs) (laughs) Happy accidents. What can I say? Yeah. So last time I talked to you, you were on the East Coast visiting family, right? Yes. Uh, Yeah, it was a really nice trip. And it was also really, really weird because obviously travel hasn't been a thing for a while. So definitely interesting. So where are you now? I am back in home base. This is where the magic happens. Behind me, you can see the studio. And uh, yeah, you know, I will just say that being stuck at home could have been much worse for me. At least I have a recording studio in my house. And so we've been able to keep creating. And um, so I really can't complain. Where is home base? Uh, Home base is in Los Angeles, California. Okay. So that was a long flight home. It was, I want to say about six hours. It's always a little bit longer coming back than it is going East. I think. Yeah. I was just in Washington we had a layover, so it was four hours and then one hour, but that takes all day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you factor in like getting to the airport, going through security, the whole flight time, and then getting to wherever you're going afterwards, definitely it's a day's worth of travel. Yeah. So let's talk about ships have sailed. I want to find out how it got started. We know that you are everything. <laughs> the writer. <laughs> well, the Yeah. You do everything. Yes, I wear many hats. We shouldn't forget uh, my brother from another mother, Art Andronikian, who holds it down on the drums. Uh, It's a very important role, and he also does a bunch of stuff behind the scenes. So I never like to sell him short. But yes, I'm I'm the face behind, rather, the face in front of the project. The band got started basically as just a collection of songs that weren't really a fit for my project at the time, which was a very specific rock hip-hop fusion vibe, but think like Foster the People meets early Kanye West as opposed to like Linkin Park. So yeah, it was a very specific genre and these songs just very, very much were not a fit for that. But I also felt really attached to them and they felt really personal to me. And so I just started working on them in my home studio just by myself. I was not a very good producer back then. This was a while back. This project, I feel, has a big responsibility towards like getting me to the level of producer that I am now to where I can work with other artists as well and help them realize their visions. But at that time, it was really just, you know, glorified demos. And I um, called some friends over, plied them with some booze, and uh, we did a little listening session and... They were like, oh, these are cool. What are you going to call it? And I was like, oh, so there's something here. Then the other project, it's kind of like a cool and also a sad story. It was kind of rising to the point where we were getting noticed and like we were getting sync placements and radio play and like whatever. We got signed to Red One's label. And as often happens, there were six members And as we were kind of like rising to that level of success, not all the logistics were ironed out and not everybody was seeing eye to eye. And ultimately it wound up kind of dissolving, which was super sad to me at the time. I had invested a lot of time and energy and blood, sweat and tears into that thing. And, um, you know, I was maybe a couple wine glasses over my uh, allocation one night and, just hanging late night by myself, like doing some D 
deep thinking. <laughs> I was just thinking about what a big missed opportunity that was, right? Like the phrase missed opportunity was just repeating itself over and over in my head. And the, the idiom that ship has sailed kind of was echoing along with it. And then I kind of was like, well, you know, but it'll allow me to focus more on this group of songs and I can really dig in and like learn how I can realize my own vision and try to become a better producer. And like, maybe that's where my energy needs to be spent. So maybe it's more of an opportunity than it is a miss. And I was just like, ah, you know, that, that ship has sailed, you know, it's a little bit negative it really should be more agnostic, like ships have sailed. And I was like, that's actually a really cool band name. And I Googled it. I was sure somebody would have taken it, but everything was available. So I registered the domain name drunkenly at like three in the morning <laughs> and got all the social handles. And, and that's the story. It becomes more optimistic and more factual. Just ships have sailed and we move on. A hundred percent. And I haven't always felt this way about like my circumstances i've i've had a little bit of a rocky life but i've learned to appreciate the bumps because they really do prepare you for other bumps later on you know nothing's going to be smooth sailing 100 percent of the time so it's better to find the silver lining when you can you've had to do a lot of hard work you had to work your way through college you didn't necessarily have the stable typical home life that most teenagers would have. You were a security guard at one point. Yep. How do you take all that and still come out optimistic? You know, like I think all of us have different circumstances. And I think that regardless of how it looks from the outside looking in, you can never kind of judge somebody by your perception of them. I think it's also a lot of pressure when people are raised in super like normal families with really successful parents, like how much pressure do they feel to like exceed where their parents are, right? So I like to kind of see things from those perspectives. And um, like I said, my philosophy has developed over time. I didn't always used to appreciate the fact that like, you kind of touched on this, but didn't really say it, which is very tactful of you, but like being homeless as a teenager and being unable to work at that time and having to kind of like cobble together food and necessities and stuff like that. But obviously that was a hard time period of my life, as was working five days a week overnight while I was doing a full-time college curriculum, you know, like all of that was hard, but Honestly, it makes me appreciate everything that I have today so much more. And what I'll say is that like moving out to LA and getting to know folks here who maybe had more normal upbringings, like I was the one who knew how to like budget for myself and like manage a bank account. And I was the one who was like, okay, well, I'm going to save all the time. And as soon as like, you know, there was a big housing crash out here in 2008, I was the one who did the research and like looked at all the neighborhoods that lost like the biggest percentage and like went and scraped enough together to get myself a condo. You know what I mean? Like it's made me really pragmatic, I guess. And um, it's a, it's a really good question. I'm getting a little bit emotional talking about this because, you know, I do think that the best part about being 
a human being is the resilience that we all have to overcome what the universe throws at us, no matter how hard it is at the time. And um, yeah, looking back, sure, I've been through a lot, but I'm super fortunate to have come out the other side of it and be sitting, having this conversation with you right now. And I think a lot of people who have been through things that we might say, wow, that's so much worse than what I've had to go through. But at the same time, like, who are we to say my scars are worse than yours or yours are worse than mine since everybody is so different and we can't live inside each other. You can't know what it feels like to be 100%. that person. Yeah. 100%. And I do try to remind myself with any interaction that that's the case. Like you, you never know what's going on under the surface and even in that moment, but let alone what people have been through in the entirety of their life. And so the best thing is, is to just, you know, try to be empathetic and try to be as kind as you can in any interaction and always just try to put something good out into the world. Something good is your music, right? I try. <laughs> so you went from a, a group of six, now it's just you and Art. Is it much easier to define your expectations, what you both expect from each other? And is it easier to get to the finish line of the song? Is it easier for things to come together when it's just the two of you? Yeah, that's a really great question. I have to say no, just because like, I'm super a perfectionist. These days, it's gotten really bad, actually. Like back in the days of that old project, I had a vision and I had a discerning taste that I brought to the table, but I was happy to let others run the ship, so to speak. And as it turned out, like that was a mistake that I made at that time. And so perhaps I overcorrected and now I'm like a super control freak and very much a perfectionist. And um, I want to get around to take my money because that's actually a really good example of what I'm talking about. That song, ha it, it had to be perfect. I knew right when it popped into my head that it was like something very, very special. But in a way, at certain points in the production, my perfectionism was like not a good thing. And I'll talk specifically about the vocal. Like the vocal was really, really challenging. And I do like to push myself and challenge myself anytime I'm doing something new. But the vocal was challenging, not only in like the technicality, but also it really needed to feel like effortless and just like bouncy and laid back as much as it is precise. And so I'm a little bit hard on myself in the studio. I produce my own vocal I'll be in the studio just kind of like talking to myself and like yelling at myself and like cursing myself out. My wife will be in the next room and she'll be like, I'll come out from a session and she's like, you know, you're pretty mean to yourself. <laughs> and like, so I started, you know, like that's my usual process. And I started doing that with Take My Money and nothing was sitting right. So I took a break, I took a walk and I came back to it and I just like, I was just like, you know what? This is supposed to be fun. A lot of folks don't understand like what it goes what goes into creating just a single song. It's like I've had songs take over a year to put together and it's it's a really it can be a hard process. It's super gratifying, but it can be a really hard process. At the end of the day though, like we all got into music whether 
we play it or whether we curate it or whether we just appreciate it. We got into music because it makes us feel good. Right. And so I had to go and take a walk and remind myself like, this is supposed to be fun. And I was like, I'm going to set the intention to go back into the studio. And I'm just going to have fun recording this vocal. And those were the keeper takes, you know what I mean? So once the perfectionism got out of my head, I was finally able to just like do exactly what the song needed to do. So I definitely need to check myself on the perfectionism and um, the short answer to your question. Sorry, I do love to ramble, but the short answer to your question is um, actually it's not easier to get to the finish line at all. <laughs> Still <laughs> takes yelling, screaming, pulling hair, pulling teeth and uh, you know, blood, sweat and tears. And that's how it's supposed to be. <laughs> you brought up the song, take my money and it's a little, sarcastic super sarcastic <laughs> could you talk about the meaning of that song being an indie artist you kind of have to be you have to learn a whole lot of stuff that you probably never wanted to know about like social media and content creation and graphic design and typography and um running your own website and like e-commerce and marketing and so I had been kind of digging into like the digital marketing world and just in an attempt to like know all of my stuff properly to like put the best foot forward online with this project. Right. And the more I dug in and the more I learned, the more it freaking creeped me out. It is so creepy how like anytime you look at anything online, there's like a thousand cookies and pixels tracking you. I started noticing that like I'd be talking to my wife about like, oh, you know, we should, um, I'm making it up. Like our wine glasses are getting old. We should get, you know, a bunch of them have gotten broken. It's not a complete set anymore. We should look for new ones. And the next day, literally nothing open, like just, you know, phones in our pockets, right? And the next day I start getting ads for wine glasses. You know what I mean? Which means that, and I don't even have Siri enabled on my phone. Like I, nothing should be listening, right? But it is. And it's really, really, it really freaked me out. And right around that time, I like woke up in the middle of the night and this little chanty thing was like just playing in my head. And it was just like, just take my money. I was just like, oh, that's kind of a cool intro to a song. And then the whole thing just kind of like the chorus just kind of popped into my head. And I was just like, whoa, that's cool. It happens like this with me. Like I'll, I'll dream stuff. It's kind of not to be ignored. So I, I got out of bed and I went and I did a voice memo and I started working it from there. The intro still is the initial thing that popped into my head. And I had my two nieces and my nephew record it in my studio, which was a really fun process. I've never worked with kids like that before. And it was very, very interesting. I had to kind of like coax and incentivize them each in different ways because they're obviously all, all different ages. You know, the teenager was a little bit sulky about the fact she thought she was going to sing so she was really sulky about the fact that she wasn't actually singing and then the little one was very much just like acting like the mic was a camera and she was like so how how do you want me to do this and then my nephew Tristan got really really 
interested when I was comping everything together and he was, and he was super interested in that. So I need to remember to like bring him back into the studio and walk him through the whole song. I think he'd be super interested. So yeah, it turned into a family thing. And um, it's really just all about the fact that like, no matter what you're doing, there's something listening with the intent of like trying to sell to you later. That's just the world we live in. And it's super creepy and I don't know if there's any way to back out of it, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, everything is listening. And they say it's to improve our experiences. Yeah, I really think it's to improve theirs. But, <laughs> <laughs> to, to improve their pockets. Yeah. Yes, 100%. So do you have any other stories you would like to share with us? Oh, if you want to talk about some of the work you've done with Music Beats Cancer, or if you'd like to talk about some of your experiences on the road or anything like that. Yeah, we can quickly touch on both of those. I was really excited to partner with Music Be- Beats Cancer over the past month to um, try to raise funds for them. They're a really cool company started by a cancer research scientist And she basically noticed a gap in the industry where very early cancer researchers couldn't find seed funding for their studies. And so she decided to try to solve for that. And so musicbeatscancer.org is a sort of Kickstarter um, for these studies. And you can contribute to individual campaigns or you can contribute just generally to their fund that will then help to boost the individual campaigns that reach their goals. So that's what we've been helping them with. And um, it's a very personal cause to me. I lost my mother-in-law last year to cancer. She's not the only person in my family who's suffered and battled cancer, and she won't be the last. But I feel like more and more in this world, if we can move towards a cure or at least better treatments that can provide better quality of life for those of us who do struggle with that disease. If I can be a small help to that, I'm here for it. As far as touring goes, I would say the weirdest experience I had ever was watching this pandemic we just went through escalate while we were out on the road. Last year was really supposed to be a live year for us. Like we were on our first leg of tour which was kind of like a southwest quadrant uh we were doing a loop with our our friends quitting whitney who is another uh, indie indie rock duo it was really well planned out probably the best planned out tour that we've ever executed and um you know a few days in we realized like things started canceling and we realized like it was all falling apart had to completely re-envision our entire year you know as the world tries to open back up People are getting out there and playing live again. We will probably be cautious about doing that, at least in enclosed spaces. Like we're open to like outdoor things and whatever. I guess all I'll say, and then I'll get off my soapbox, is as the world tries to open back up, everybody has their own comfort levels with everything. So if we can all as human beings try to just be a little bit extra respectful of our other fellow human beings and of their preferences and their comfort levels. I think our country and our world will be a much happier place. We super miss playing live music. And if, for example, 
Andrew McMahon were to ask us to open for him on a tour of shed venues, we would jump at that opportunity. But at our level, we're playing, you know, 100 to 200 capacity indoor clubs. Those rooms are small. They usually don't have any ventilation or windows. And also, sadly, probably 75% of those venues don't exist anymore. And so we probably aren't going to be doing much touring anytime soon. We have just stepped up our audio games. So we're going to be doing some virtual shows online. I'm calling them live from our lockout because we have this lockout over in uh, North Hollywood that we rehearse at. That's where we'll be doing these. And uh, so you can get at us online at Ships of Sailed anywhere, shipsofsailed.com. Sign up for our email list because social media sucks these days and email is a way better way to reach you. And yeah, we'd love to stay in touch. And once everything is truly safe again, and once the venues have it all figured back out, because we know it's going to take a while, we will be back out on the road because we miss you all. We look forward to seeing you in Madison. You know, anytime, if you, uh, if you want us to play like at a beer garden this summer, we would absolutely love to. We love music. We love shows. We love beer. <laughs> Good to know. We'll, we'll just add that to the offer, you know. Some money, some beer. Uh, <laughs> Maybe throw in some food. Yeah. 100%. And uh, don't forget, like, the sneaky marketing tactics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll add some uh, web cookies, some traffic, something. <laughs> <laughs> cookies sound delicious, but they really aren't. <laughs> yeah, they can be creepy. Thank you so much for your time, Will. We're going to check out Take My Money by Ships Have Sailed right now in The Resistance. Thank you so much for having me, Miranda. This has been a pleasure.